Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Anime Addicts Podcast number dos. And as I said at the end of the first one, I thought we'd kick it off with a bang. So the bang today is Ichigo Kurosaki in Bleach. And here's to give you a rundown. This is probably one of my favorite animes of all time. And it's probably one of the few that... I read the manga at the same time that I was watching the anime. So when the anime fell behind and it started giving you a ton of fillers, which we'll get into, I was going ahead with the manga that was coming out. Now, the this anime, manga, whichever portion of it you are deciding to wrap your head around, is one of the finest written pieces and animated pieces I have ever had the pleasure of watching. I understand that towards the end, from manga to anime, there was a little, you know, love loss on what was going on. But it became okay, you know. I still loved the whole thing that was Bleach. So, I thought we'd start out at the beginning. And since we're going from the beginning... I'd give you a little rundown of my top 25 things that happened when you first got introduced to Bleach from episode 1 to, I would say, in the mid-60s when you ended the Soul Society arc. So, let's dive in, ladies and gentlemen. Number 1, the death of Ichigo's mother. Now... This is something that's layered in who Ichigo is for a long time. It's even introduced in some of the movies and it gives you the scope of his understanding of who he is as a character, who he is as a person, who he is as a Shinigami, well, and later on who he is as other things. I'm not going to talk about those other things just yet. But anybody that's read far enough, you will understand what I'm getting at with regards to his mother. But this death and acknowledgement and the first fight with what we could be what we would consider to be like a big bad for anime at this point was, you know, it was tear jerking. It was it pulled at your heartstrings. It it was early. Like, this was a hit you got early, and you went like, okay, where is this taking me? Now, given that the show, after all of this, starts progressing in a whole nother direction than we probably would have thought it was going when we were, we when we initially started watching the series, this was a good little, you know, sidetrack, give you his history without you knowing it, but at the same time, give you... An understanding of what's happening to him and why he is the way he is. And why there is no mother picture in his world. And why he's there in the way he is for his sisters. And why they're there in the way they are for him. So, you know, this was big. This was 
huge. This is what catapulted Bleach into like this world of, okay, we have depth here. We have story here. We're going to have a world-building character arc that's just epic. You know? So, that was number one on my list. Number two. And I know this skips a little, but I'm not going in real particular order. Some of these might, if you remember it. You know, I'm going in significance to my own mind. And how they played in these first 60 or so episodes. And I'd figure I'd introduce you to how I see these things. And how I love them and what I see and what I acknowledge as we talk deeper. Because later on, when we start getting drops like crazy of animes that I love in new seasons. And we'll start seeing new episodes coming in as we're watching them. I'm going to drop in some you know podcasts just randomly talking about the episode that just dropped. And just giving my synopsis of what happened and where we are and you know put it together with whatever series it is that you know we end up all watching and enjoying and hopefully you guys decide to tag along with me as i go through this world of anime and then we'll be going backwards too like i'm gonna go back in the day to the original dragon ball i'm gonna talk about dragon ball z i'm gonna take you to gundam wing zoid new century as i told you in the first intro podcast like i don't just plan to layer myself in only one world no 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 this is gonna be building up across so many of these so number two hollow form ichigo or as he was known at the time the king so inside ichigo in the battle for who ichigo is there is another Ichigo within him. This Ichigo can be considered his hollow form, per se, in the way it's introduced to this point. Because he only appears with the mask on, he only appears with all these things happening, and he only appears at the very brink of something going completely sideways. So, and he introduces himself as the king, which is great, it's phenomenal. And he's just a very darker ominous portion of who Ichigo is but he's in all white so that is a great dichotomy because if you take it Ichigo's in all black with white little fringes but he's in all white with black little fringes and he his 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 demeanor is a lot faster and in his way of acting is a lot you know looser it's like what Ichigo can't be at these points when he's first meeting him Ichigo can't be loose and can't be, you know, he's very controlled and very, you know, very compact in who he is. But King is just a whole nother side. Okay. Three. Renji and Ichigo's first meetup. This is when we started, when we got swerved, honestly. You know... We've known to this point that Ruki has a Shinigami. We know that she's lent her powers to Ichigo. We know that that's not allowed. So we don't know any of the punishments that come with all of this. And this is when we meet Renji. And we meet, you know, Captain, you know, Bakuya. So we have these two characters. But, you know, we're not... We don't know anything about them. So to us, they're bad guys at this point. And later on, we come to realize that, no, they're not really bad guys. But 
at this point they're they're the nemesis to Ichigo's, you know, protagonist. He's he's the guy. He's the one we're following. He's the guy that we're all interested in. And we get meet Renji. And first of all, to this point, Ichigo's handling his own versus Renji. Ichigo doesn't realize that there's a limitation to the amount of energy Renji can use versus him. But for him to be handling himself, not having released his Shinkai, not having knowing anything about any next level to his sword, not understanding any other parts of that, like, he's holding himself up against a lieutenant. Of course, we don't know Renji's a lieutenant at this point either. We just know that Renji's, you know, the next in command. We don't understand what the hierarchy is at this point. But this initial interaction, which leads into, you know, Captain Kuchikia taking and ripping apart his sword, which also takes away Ichigo's Shinigami powers. Like, all of those things culminating together at this little first interaction is kind of awesome. Which leads me into number four, which is Rukia leaving with them. Like, that was a big moment, too, because a lot of us, initially, when we saw it, we were like, oh, she's betraying Ichigo. But if you noticed, it wasn't a betrayal. We find out later that, no, it's not a betrayal. She was trying to save his life. And he's an idiot enough to believe that if he ever believed it was a betrayal, but he didn't. He's Ichigo. Ichigo believes in his friends and the people that he trusts and the people that he has in his corner. He believes them strong enough that he would not allow any of these moments to be felt like they were a betrayal or a turning their back or no, she had no choice. And he knew that and he understood that. So... Like I said, this leads to his powers being taken away. That's number five. His Shinigami powers being taken, stripped, gone. His sword being broken in half by a speed that he can't recognize. And boom, we think that our character's over. So we get the lovely introduction. I'm only going to call him by this for this point because this is fun. Sandal Hat. He helps Ichigo get his power back. I told you, there's like, I do have an order to this. To somewhat, but some of them popped up at different moments. I just started to remember them in order from that point forward. And, you know, we got a lot of other things that happened, but that I'm not giving you that. It's just these moments are the ones that stick out when you think about the things that happen leading up to the final moment, but the things that happen all along this. So, Sandal had helps Ichigo. They go through this whole process. You know... They have all of this going on, and Ichigo fights to get his Shinigami powers back, and he gets them back. And that's probably one of the better parts of the whole series. I apologize, my neighbors decided that their alarm needs to go off at this very moment. Hey! But, come back. I'm not, no, I'm not taking that out. Real time. Woo! So, Sandalhead helps Ichigo. Ichigo gets his powers back, and then a vision of what's to happen... It's put into their mind. They're going to go invade Soul Society. So, we've only been on Earth this whole time. On our plane of existence. There's a whole other plane of existence. There's two other planes of existence. And, you know, we're going to get introduced to one of the other ones. We're going to go after Soul Society. And Ichigo's going to go, whoop, full throttle. So, when they decide to invade, and they do invade, that's probably one of the best things and then there's so many fights that happen because of this. Like, they're strong. Stronger than the regular soldiers for 
for the Soul Society. They and Ichigo fights so many people along the way, and all his fights are epic, and they're great, but they're not the ones that stick out right away. Like these characters that he does end up interacting with are great, and they come in, and their moments later on are some of the best moments too. But at this very time, the Ichigo concept is just the invasion of itself. And then we get to moment number eight, which is Ichigo and Renji's fight right outside, right downstairs, where they get into this epic fight, where we finally get to see Renji at full power, where we finally get to see Ichigo going all out. At this point, he's not just having that plain old sword that he had before. He has his full, huge sword that he has, which which I love. And I hate that every time he evolves his sword, we never see the other one that much. And that truly does suck. But now you have Ichigo in full throttle. You have Renji in full throttle and full release. And it's a matter of wills. And we get these cutback scenes to when Ichigo is being trained. and, And my favorite part of all of that is... The cut scene, where I'm teaching you to cut. If in any moment you decide to hold back, then you're not, A, respecting yourself, and you're not respecting your opponent. You can't hold back. The only way you can win is if you're going all out at all times. And that's a beautiful thing in, a, in this series. It's like, it's not just, it's not being tentative. If you're tentative, you're not going to win, A. But if you're tentative, you're not going to protect the people that you love. And I think Ichigo has to come to that understanding in the biggest way the most. Because he his first instinct is protecting those that he loves. But he doesn't always realize that in order to truly protect somebody, you have to be willing to put everything on the line. And if you're not, then how can you honestly say that you're going to protect them? So this fight with Renji is the release of that completely. And then we get... You know, you get little images of Ichigo's hollow mask. And those pop up frequently and show up, you know, more often. And it's just the appearance of the mask. When he's about to lose control, but he doesn't. Or when he does actually end up losing control later on at a different moment that I'll talk about. And it's these little things, these little subtle moments where the mask gets introduced or the mask gets shown and then gets broken and then comes back. It's like... It never truly goes away, but it's never truly there completely. And that's always a fun dynamic for the character of Ichigo. Because until he learns what it is and how to use it and the importance of it, it's like he doesn't he doesn't get it. He thinks it's a horrible part of him. So, that's a little side, uh, an aside. Then you have Ichigo versus Kenpachi. Yo, this was just a sick how powerful can you be fight okay what level can you go to uh can you go any higher uh is that all you got uh you can't cut him oh wait he's cutting you oh wait i just found out my sword's name now i can cut your ass into pieces oh wait i almost died oh wait ichigo falls oh wait kampachi goes like you idiot you won boom he falls and he's bleeding out with a smile on his face this fight was nothing like the Renji fight. This wasn't about realizations or anything like that. This fight was pure and simple. I'm going to show you how powerful I can be. Now you show me how powerful you can be. And this showed you a character in Kenpachi who you 
when like wait this is a good guy this sick demented twisted crazy power hungry unbelievable i want to fight every five seconds guy is a good guy are you serious and we looked back and we were like, yeah, he's a good guy. Love him. Oh, my God. Give me Kampachi. Now, and a juxtaposition again, we go to number 11. Ishida versus, I am sorry if I butchered his name, Mayuri, which is the captain of the science division. This fight was all sorts of weird, just from the captain's side. Ishida was very interesting in his development and then ultimately in using his power and, and having to, you know, you know, completely use up everything that he is. But in the captain's side, this man is sick. Like, he is just demented. If I thought calling Kenpachi was demented at that point, no, this guy takes it to a whole nother level. And it's kind of fun, but he makes you feel like he's just a horrible, horrible person. And you don't understand, like, how is this guy one of the people that we side with and are cheering for, ultimately? But at this point, he is a sick and disturbed character. Now, let's switch it up and we go to... One of the things that I find to be the most infuriating about the series are the next two. And, yeah. Like, it's just so frustrating. Like, the next two are frustrating for different reasons. 12, Chad Failure Attempt Number 1. Part 1. Like, Chad feels like he could be such a good character. And he has moments... Like, when he gets his arm, and then when he realizes his arm can be a shield, and then when he realizes that his one of his arms isn't the attacking arm, it's the defending arm, and the other arm is the... Like, there's many little, many little things that happen to Chad along the way that make him such an interesting character that you wished would have had a lot more of development and ends up not having any, and it sucks because it... It starts being given to the other captains or the the other characters that appear later. And Chad just gets left. He just gets... Oh, here, you fall back. You don't really have anything to contribute. And if you remember Dragon Ball Z, it feels a lot like the Krillin arc. Because Krillin got left in that way. Or Yamcha or Tien. Like, they had their moments, but they really weren't at the level anywhere near of what the main characters were, and even the side main characters were. And they're not anywhere near what those characters are at any point long term. Now, the next one is the Orihime, Orihime and Ichigo love story, because there is a love story there. Don't let anybody lie to you and say it isn't, or it should be Rukia. No, Orihime and Ichigo... There's a love story there. It's just, it's annoying from time to time. Like, I get that they're teenagers. So, the complicated, you know, idiosyncrasies of how love stories for teenagers happen anyway fits perfectly with that. But at the same time, it can just be, ugh, bothersome. Okay. Now, let's go back. And we'll take it to 
Renji's Bank Bankai, number 14. This is a piece of... It is probably one of the most annoying, useless, irritating Bankais. Because it's so big and clunky and just... Ugh. I wish it were better. I wish the Bankai were just at a higher level, but it's just... Ugh. And it, it, it could be, but... Ugh. And I know it does get better in the manga, but it's still... I wish it would have been better from the beginning. And it's a little disappointing. So next on my list, number 15, is the intro of Yurichi. It's subtle. You know, as a cat, he sa- she saves Ichigo. And the fact that, it's, that when the character's a cat, it's a boy-sounding voice. And then when the character is the girl, it's the, the woman. It's a woman-sounding voice. It was great. But same as a cat, and then all of a sudden we get introduced to who Yurichi is. It's like, oh, um, you're naked. Can you put on clothes? I don't like this. I'm young. Remember that? I'm young. And that was Ichigo's reaction. And this is, you know, this is a great secondary character to, like, bring on in this story now at that point where it's like, okay, who's going to help Ichigo at this point? Sandal Hats can't help him. He can't come into Soul Society. But Yorichi can. And Yorichi can, you know, be there. Because as we learn later on in what is number 16, when Yorichi fights Soifan, you get the backstory of who Yorichi was and this whole crazy idea of who this character is and how epic of a character she honestly is and then you also get her coming in to save Ichigo before Ichigo's fully healed and that whole little exchange that she has with um Bakuya I I mess up his name every single time I don't care how many times somebody pronounces it for me um Rukia's captain Renji's captain you know who I'm talking about if you don't I apologize that was me head palming myself Face palming myself. So, you know, you get her little introductions, little by little, little by little, little by little. And she's an epic badass. And then her fight with Soifan, because that's what we're on right now. Her fight with Soifan is like, Soifan, yeah, everything you think you've done, I did it way before you did. Like, why do you think you were able to do any of that? I'm the epic one. You're just a copycat. Which is sad for Soifan because I think Soifan could be an interesting character. But at the same time, it's like we don't need her developed any more than she is because it's not worth it. She's not... She's interesting, but not compelling. Next. Ichigo finding his resolve during Bankai training. Like this moment. That moment. Oh, was great. And all those moments where Ichigo finds his, like, okay, I'm on to the next one. Those moments are just epically awesome. And there's some of those moments that I go back to like crazy and I'll rewatch and I I just love it. Like, the first 60 episodes or anything from 20 to 60 is just epic for me on being rewatchable. I don't care. I will sit there and rewatch every single one. And I'll enjoy every single time. Yeah. Come on. It's epic. Now next, 
And I, like I said, I'm jumping to moments. These are the top 25 moments of the first 63, 64 episodes that popped into my head. I didn't want to go back and see, oh, no, that one. Oh, no, that one. No, I wanted to think about, in my love of this show, what are the top 25 moments that just popped up in those first 60? And we go to number 18, which is Ichigo saves Ruka and wipes out all the lieutenants without using his sword. Like, dude. First of all, dude. Dude comes in, stops the Phoenix type thing from killing Rukia, just standing there looking like a badass. And it's epic. He's such a monster. And then after he gets a little help from the other two captains, he goes and boom, he wipes out all the lieutenants. And he uses one punch hits on every single one of them. And it's fucking phenomenal. Just bam, 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 out. And then you have Bakuya just coming to them. Boom. I saw that. Oh, come on. Those scenes, like, awesome. After that, the next two, 21 and 22, are two together. Because they're both Bankai releases during the fight between Ichigo and Captain. And it's just like those two. And once again, my neighbors have the alarm going off. What the heck? Thanks. Appreciate it. Back to our regularly scheduled program. So you have these two guys going off on each other. And you have Ichigo releases the Bankai. And then the captain just looks at him. That's not a Bankai. That's not... Where's the epicness of that? Where's the... A Bankai should be huge. This is something that I enjoy about the Ichigo character. While everybody else's, when they have Bankai, are these enormous, over-the-top things, his is always, like, simple. It's something that he can use to protect. And that's that's the part of the character of Ichigo that's always so much more interesting than so many other the mains. It's like everything he does isn't to just be able to fight somebody like Goku or be able to, you know, ultimately save his best friend like Naruto or anything like that. No, his is simply because I need to protect everybody. And that's an awesome thing to develop in a character, that his first reasoning for doing anything he does is to protect the people he loves, pure and simple. There's no other motives, there's no other reasons, there's nothing else. Like, it always felt like for Goku, protecting everybody was a secondary thing to having an epic fight. Naruto, having an epic fight was always great, and yes, ultimately he wants to protect his village... But he wants it to be accepted. Ichigo doesn't worry about acceptance. Doesn't really care to fight. It's not about a fight with him. The thing for him is always protecting everyone and everything he loves. And if he gets stronger, it's because he needs to protect the person next to him. So after those two Bankai releases, like those things were epic. And then it's in this, we finally get Full Mask... Full hollow form, not full, because we learn later on what full hollow form truly means for when you're fighting Ichigo. But we get a release and we get an appearance of King outside in control of Ichigo's body. A, it's short. 
B kicks the captain's ass. Like, Ichigo just wipes the floor. No, King wipes the floor with him. Using Ichigo. Like, if Ichigo learned... This is the thing that I think where Ichigo ends up being underdeveloped. If Ichigo learned how to use his techniques more like King uses his techniques, his character would be so much more badass because you can use the sword in different ways. You can use the things that are attached to you in different ways and it's more developed and Ichigo just feels sometimes very limited in the way he uses his abilities. And then after that, after, you know, Bakuya gets his ass kicked for a little bit, you come to one final blow between the two of them. Like, it's one epic, it's like the whole Kenpachi scene all over again. But this isn't about power, this is about a resolution to this conflict we've had from the beginning. Like, we, me and you have been at this since day one. Now it's finally D-Day, and let's go, son. And they come, one final blow. Once again, we get that whole Ichigo fall first. And then the captain going like, okay, you won. Yo, and at this point, you're watching the anime. You're going like, okay, wow, we've been swerved. We now know there's a soul society. There's a whole new level to all of this. There's something else. But what happens next is definitely number one of the top 25. This is the epic moment of epic moments. This is the thing that really catapulted us into what's coming next. And learning that everything that has happened so far, it's been planned out. Like, none of this was, this was, this all happened for a reason. And you're flipping stuck. You're stuck on what's happening right now. It's the reveal of Aizen. Like... The Aizen betrayal, his new look, the ability of his Zanpakuto, his power level, his tricking of all the captains, all the captains realizing that, wait, we've been had, everybody coming to the same realization at the same time, Ichigo knowing that he can't do anything, Rukia having her insides ripped out, like, it's all of this at once, in one scene, in one episode, culminating everything and setting up a new, bigger, grander, more unbelievable big bad than what we had thought Soul Society was and coming to realize the people of Soul Society were not the big bad. They were just doing what they thought was legally supposed to do at those moments, but they didn't realize that they were getting had by Aizen and his whole crew because, oh, so all of that all of that is the epic of epics. That's a swerve that you don't see coming. That's a swerve that you're not prepared for. That's something that you're going to wait a second. And first of all, to this point, we thought Eisen was dead. He had been killed. Like, we as an audience got swerved too. Is it... If anybody can tell me they were expecting that, screw you. You weren't. Don't, don't try that. Especially if you hadn't read the manga up to this point, so you didn't know that was coming. And this is how you get introduced, and you're going like, oh, snap. Wow. And this is how the series starts. Like, this is the big epic stuff of the initial part of the Bleach, you know, series. And, yo, that is an amazing way to just get... Bombarded into an anime. And I hope everyone, you know, 
got that feeling too when they started thinking about Bleach. And I hope you enjoyed my little reaction of my top 25 of the first things that happened on Bleach in the first 60 or so episodes. I enjoy this, and I'll be back next week with a different side. I figure I'm going to jump between anime just to show you the love I have for these beautiful, beautiful creatures. And I'll break down some other things. But I'm not going to tell you what's coming next. You'll just have to catch it when it comes out. Peace out. See you next time.